Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. You turn with me in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 9. And we want to say welcome to Tristan. Amen. Tristan... Wayne, my buddy, Wayne and me played baseball together since we were eight or nine years old. And I'm just thrilled today that I get to call him Grandpa first. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) But Jasmine, congratulations. Amen. We're thankful for a healthy baby girl and a healthy mama. And in the house of God today, we're thankful for that. Congratulations. Boy, I'm sorry, boy. Amen. The bad preacher, just just go on. Amen. This is why preachers don't meddle. I knew it was a boy, and my brain got twisted up as I was saying it. The, the important thing is Tristan knows what he is, all right? Amen. If the preacher gets it wrong, that's one thing, but if the, the, the baby's got to get it right, and I know he will. Tristan, a healthy baby boy. I wonder why when I said that, everybody back there started talking amongst themselves. I thought they were just thankful that the pastor was recognizing them. That wasn't it at all. Amen. Congratulations, Wayne. And now you get the last laugh. See, I thought it was me that got the last laugh calling you grandpa. Now you get the last laugh. John chapter 9. Here's what I do know. John chapter 9 verse 1 says that as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did send this man, his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day, the night cometh, when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground, made clay of the spittle, and rubbed it in the eyes of the blind man. He anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay, said unto him, Go wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. Then he went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. And I want to preach from these passages and some proceeding from this context on this thought. Maybe you could look at it as a question or a statement. I want to just simply preach on this statement, annoyed or anointed. Amen. Will you be by what God does in your life, annoyed or anointed? Amen. The Lord bless you. You can be seated. We find in this text, as recorded by John, one of the close disciples of Jesus, one of the many wonderful miracles of Jesus. This particular miracle being the healing of a blind man in one of the most extraordinary demonstrations illustrated within the gospel. We find Jesus, almost every miracle that Jesus does, he does in a different way. And I, I, think, I think that's one of the beautiful things about coming to church. You just It should be that church is unpredictable. You never know what's going to happen. Amen. There, there's, that God's going to move. I think if we can script the service and we can say it's going to be this long and, and we're going to sing this many songs and the preacher's going to preach this long and it's going to go exactly this way, then I think that's a good indicator that God's not involved in it. Amen. I think there should be some demonstration of the Holy Ghost that we didn't have planned. Amen. There should be a move of the Spirit of God that we didn't have written into our agenda. Amen. When things don't go the way that we plan, that's a good sign that God is involved in what we are doing. So it is that even in the miracles of Jesus, that there were other people that were blind that he healed. And yet this man, the particular way that Jesus does it is an extraordinary demonstration. First of all, Jesus spits into the dust and mixes that uh, dirt and spittle together to make clay. And then he takes that clay and the Bible says, John records it this way, he anoints the eyes of the blind man with the clay. We read that phrase that Jesus anoints the eyes of the blind man and it sounds so dignified when we say it that way. 
It sounds so churchy when we say that Jesus anointed his eyes. It sounds so holy and so proper to say that Jesus anointed the eyes of the blind man. I know we like to get our testimony nice and dignified. We like to leave out all the bad parts. We like to leave out the the really low points of our testimony. And we just like to say, you know what? The Lord saved me and the Lord delivered me. And we want to leave some points out. And it sounds so, so holy and dignified just to say that Jesus anointed the eyes of the blind man. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for dignified works. Most often we think of anointing as the cute ceremonial thing that we do from time to time when the elders bring out the oil and they tilt that little jar of olive oil and they get a dab of oil on the tip of their finger and they dab it onto your forehead and Papa, my my grandfather, he had a very distinct way of anointing. He would always make a cross on your forehead with the oil. And you always knew when Papa had prayed for somebody, they had a shiny cross on their forehead. But uh, it, that's what we think of when we think of an anointing. It's the oil, the, the dip and the dab. Long before uh, the, 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 uh, Cam Newton came up with the dab, long before they were dabbing, we were dabbing in the Word of God. Amen. There was a, a dip and a dab long before the dab was ever there. My daughters will kill me later for that. But the actual word that is used here to describe the actions of Jesus, to describe what Jesus does to the eyes of this blind man are much different than a dip and a dab. Because the the word that would be used there is the Greek word, the Greek word epikrio, which means to rub in or to smear and to spread. The Old Testament counterpart of this Hebrew of this Greek word, the Old Testament counterpart would be the Hebrew word tahim. And that word is used to describe the the process of applying plaster to a wall. If you could imagine right now somebody scraping plaster across that wall as they take it and they spread it. It is a process of grinding and rubbing that apothecary, that mixture into the wall. And now this blind man, it appears, has no awareness of Jesus. He doesn't know who Jesus is prior to this interaction between the two of them. The Bible evidences this in John chapter 9 verse 11 when after the blind man has been healed, the townspeople ask him, who did this? And he, his response is simply, it was a man named Jesus. I, I don't know who this man was, but I heard people say his name was Jesus. And so prior to the healing, this blind man had no idea who Jesus was. So imagine you're sitting there, you're outside the temple, you're minding your own business when a stranger that you've never met walks up, spits in the dirt, and then begins to rub the the mud into your eyes. I'm blind, I'm begging, and now you have to come along and rub it in. Amen, I'm already in a place of embarrassment. I'm already in a place just trying to make it in life. And now you've got to come along and rub it in that I'm a beggar. You've got to come along and rub it in that I'm a blind man. You've got to come along and rub it in that I can't even help myself. Now, if you've ever had an errant eyelash get loose in your eye, or just one speck of dust get, find its way into your eye, you know how irritating it can be. It turns grown men into crybabies. Even Big James, I think today, if we put some dust in his eyes, we get a tear or two out of him. That, that speck of dust in the eye becomes the only thing that matters. It becomes the top priority of your day. You just can't, no matter how much you tell yourself to leave it alone, when you're not thinking unconsciously, subconsciously, your hand finds its way back up to find that irritant to try and remove it from your eye. Your eye becomes bloodshot, looking like you just went 12 rounds with Mike Tyson. When really all you did was spent 12 minutes battling with a little tiny speck of dirt. But the blind man did not just have a speck of dirt in his eye. The Bible says that Jesus took a handful of dirt and spittle mixed together, making clay out of it. And he took that clay and like a, a, a carpenter would, would scrape uh, that, that plaster on a wall, Jesus took that mud and rubbed it into the eye of the blind man. Imagine thousands now of specks of dust being ground into your eye. That is what Jesus, it wasn't a cute little annoying 
anointing. It was an irritating process. I know none of you have ever been irritated. I'm preaching, me and Maggie Marie, the only ones. Irritated, at least on three levels. This man is irritated socially. I'm sure he was irritated. Here I am, minding my own business, begging for alms so I can just make it through another day, and some stranger I don't even know interrupts my day. Socially, he was irritated. Emotionally, he was irritated. I didn't see what you did, but I know what spit sounds like. Amen. There is a distinct sound that spit makes, and you can, do a, you can come up and punch me, and we'll have a problem, but if you spit on me, we've got a real problem. All right. God put fluids in your body to stay on your body. I'll keep mine to me and you keep yours to you. There's nothing more degrading than being spit on, right? Even in the NFL, you see NFL and NHL players lose their mind when somebody spits on them. Emotionally, he is irritated. I, you spit on me. You spit in the dirt and then you rubbed it into my eye. Socially, I'm irritated. Emotionally, I'm irritated and physically now, obviously, I've never been blind, so I had to look it up but I, just to make sure that what I thought was correct. And it is that blindness does not remove the sense of feeling from the eye. That, yes, you may not see anything, but you still have the full feeling that anybody else has. Every sense of your eye is still, is still magnified to the feeling of what it might be up against it. And so he's not immune to feeling that clay and the, the grains of dust that have been ground into his eye. And so socially he is irritated. Emotionally he is irritated. And physically he is irritated. Now there are some sermons that when the preacher is preaching... And ask for a volunteer to step forward. I want to preach about the mighty Samson who lifted up the gates of the city. And every one of these young men would say, I'm your guy. I, I am the man that can lift it. Let me take off my jacket so everybody can see that I'm your guy. I, I am the mighty Samson. If I were to preach about Enoch who walked with God, it would not be hard to get a volunteer to step forward and say, I am the righteous Enoch who walked with God. If I today were to say, I want to preach about the beautiful Esther who was so beautiful that she was able to entice the king and save a whole nation of people, every young lady in the room would run forward and say, I am the beautiful Esther. But ain't nobody today volunteering to be the blind man. If I said, I need somebody to come so I can demonstrate what Jesus did to the, everybody says, I'll pass on that one, Pastor. I'll be back with you next week when you preach about Esther or Samson, but I got no time for this. Why? Because we understand the irritation. We understand the social, emotional, and physical irritation. Jesus, why can't you just leave me alone? Man named Jesus, why can't you just leave me be? I was sitting there minding my own business, begging for bread, asking for alms, and you showed up to irritate my world why bother me when I was just fine begging why humiliate me with spittle why couldn't you if you you could have gotten water surely there was a well nearby surely one of the elders in the church had some oil you could have mixed in with the dirt why did you have to use spittle to mix in you see I don't want the anointing I'm fine just living in survival mode I don't want anointing I'm fine I've learned how to live with my limitations and it would have been easy it would have been an easy way to end the story for this blind man to just end up annoyed. Now, I know it's Sunday morning and we're all righteous people in the house. Amen. Every one of you have been perfect since you came from the mother's womb. No problems, no faults, no failures. And so none of you can really relate with this blind man. You've never been irritated in church. Yeah, I can tell by the grins on your faces. You've never been irritated, certainly not by me, right? I'm sure that this preacher has never irritated you. My wife is saying amen. You've never been irritated. This blessed book has never irritated you. Amen. Yeah, right. Let's be real. Because it just happens on the Sunday when you got in a fight on the way to church. Haven't looked at it, made it a point not to look at each other the whole service. And then the preacher gets up and starts talking about forgiving your spouse. How does that feel? It's irritating. 
You're talking on the way to church about how tight finances are and how are we going to make it. We don't have groceries. How are we going to make it? And then the pastor opens up and decides this Sunday, out of all Sundays, are going to be the Sunday to preach on being a cheerful giver. How does that feel? It's irritating. You're tired. Your body ain't feeling right. You're grumpy all out of sorts. And this is the Sunday the pastor keeps on asking you to touch three people and tell them something. Preacher, how many times do I got to touch three people and tell them something? I'm tired of touching people. I don't want to be touched, and I don't want anybody touching me. You are irritating me. Stop telling me to touch three people and tell them something. Touch three people right now. I'm kidding. I know that you have been irritated by this man named Jesus. I know that everybody in this building, there has been a time when this book, this holy book, this God-inspired book has said something that irritated you. As, as good as I try to be, there are times that this bald-headed preacher has irritated you. There have been times that I talked about forgiveness and all you wanted to do was be bitter. There have been times I preached to you about praise and all you wanted to do was just make it to church. And so I know that this man named Jesus will irritate you. But let me tell you today that irritation is a powerful tool in the hands of an almighty God. Because irritation is the way that God moves people. Uh, irritation is the way that God moves people from beggars uh, to blessed people. Uh, irritation is the way that God transforms us uh, from being blind uh, to our eyes wide open revelation. <laughs> irritation is the tool that God uses to move us from obstinance to obedience. Irritation is a mighty head tool in the hand of the Almighty God. So clap your hands if you've ever been irritated. Clap your hands if the Bible has ever irritated you. Clap, this is your chance. Clap your hands if the preacher has ever irritated you. I gave you all a chance. That was, that was a free shot. So you're still, all right, that's enough. That, it's over. You lost it. <laughs> Careful, I still got the microphone. This thing can turn real quick. <laughs> irritation is a mighty tool in the hand of an almighty God. But irritation that leaves you where you are is simply an annoyance. But irritation that moves you forward, irritation that moves you to change and transformation, same irritation, but that is not just annoyance. That is called anointing. When God begins to rub it in your eye, when God begins to irritate you, and it causes something to rise up on the inside of you to say, I can't remain here. I can't stay here. Something has got to change. That is not annoying. That is anointing. Come on, some of you are still dealing with an annoyance in your life. God has been dealing with you about some things in the word that are irritating you, but it's not producing any change in your life. And so all you are is annoyed. I want to tell you today, God is trying to move you forward into a fresh anointing. I want to be the preacher today that irritates you into praise. I, I want to be the, the preacher today that irritates you into worship. I didn't feel like worshiping today, but that preacher just wouldn't leave me alone. And so finally, I decided that I will bless the Lord at all times. I want to be the preacher that annoys you out of your trouble and anoints you into a move of God. I want to be the preacher that gets under your skin until you decide I'm not leaving here the way that I came. That is anointing. It's not annoying. It's anointing. When you leave here different than you came, that is anointing.
Man, this preacher sure is annoying today. No, it just depends on what you do with what I'm saying. If you leave the way you came, absolutely I'm annoying. But if it let you produce some hope in your spirit, if you came defeated, depressed, and discouraged, believing there was no way you could make it through, but something I might say today might just instigate a little speck of dust in your spirit that that begins to stir up hope that says, you know what? Maybe God still is in control. Maybe God is bigger than my problem. Maybe God is bigger than my obstacle. He's got to anoint your life with irritation. He's got to rub it in. Because we become so comfortable with what we have become that we will never be what we can be until he anoints our eyes. Until he spits in the dust and rubs it in and says, you don't have to stay where you're at, beggar man. Blind man, I know you're blind right now, but there's a miracle on the other side of this irritation. Beggar, I know you're just trying to make it through the day, but there's a miracle on the other side of this irritation. And I, I know it's, it's not, a, you know, it's not really a, a comforting thing when you know that God has placed you in people's life to bug the, the life out of them. I'd love to be something different to some of you. I'd like to be a cool guy that you really like to hang around with. But some of you, God has anointed me to be an irritant in your life. God has said, bug them until they get out of their seat. Has this guy ever stopped talking about praise? This preacher preach about anything other than worship. I wish he'd get a different theme to preach. Understand, God anointed me to be the irritant in your life. Until you get up and praise, until you get up and give God worship, my full-time job is to irritate the life out of you. My full-time job is to make you miserable. Because... We become so comfortable with what we've become that we will never move forward until something irritates me. I know, blind man, I know you can't see, but I know you can feel. So I've got to irritate what you do have. I know you can't see, but you can feel, so I've got to irritate what you do have so that you'll move forward toward the awakening of what you don't have. I feel that dust, but I know that there is vision in my future. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 1, we find one man married to two women. Brothers, don't get any ideas. This is not the right time to smile at your spouse. Too late. Some of you, I got some appointments open through the week if you need to come and talk to me. Some of you were really good. You were just eyes forward the whole time. One man married to two women. The name of the one wife was Penina. The Bible says of Penina that she had children. The other name of the other wife was Hannah, and the Bible says that she had no children. Now, in our culture today, not having children is a sad thing. For a woman that wants a child, it is a gnawing emptiness. So I've heard. Obviously, I've never experienced that, but I've heard that. But in that day, to not be with child, to not have children wasn't just something that was sad or depressing. Having children meant everything. To not have children meant you had no value in society. It meant you had no worth to your husband. It meant you had no identity for yourself. It meant you had no meaning in life. It meant you had no right to inheritance. It basically meant when you had children, it meant you had nothing. But if it isn't bad enough, That Hannah is already dealing with the emptiness of having no children. Already wrestling with the stigma of her barrenness. The insecurity of her worthlessness. But the Bible says on top of that, Penina, 
the lady with all the children, the Bible says that she provoked Hanasor. The New Living Translation says that Penina taunted her. If I could say it this way, she rubbed it in. Every time she had a chance, she rubbed it in. Ha ha, I've got children and you don't have any. Ha ha, Elkanah and I are producing children and you are barren. Every time she got a chance, she rubbed the dust into Hannah's eye. Amen. And if that wasn't bad enough, yes, it gets worse. Penina's name meant to pamper, to show excessive care and attention. When Hannah is broken and barren, dealing with the stigma of emptiness, this obnoxious woman is taunting her and rubbing it in that she has no children and she's over there pampering Hannah's man. I know it was a different culture. I don't care if it's 2020 A.D. or 2020 B.C. You don't pamper another woman's man. Come on, ladies. Help me preach for just a minute right now. You don't pamper another lady's man. I know they were both married to him, but that was still Hannah's man. You don't pamper another woman's man. I know it's 2020, but if my wife has a sore back, I will get her a massage. I'll send her to the massage. Go, baby, go let them work those knots out of you. If I get a massage, she said, you'll, you'll be all right. Suck it up, buddy. You'll, you'll be okay. Because right? you, you ain't going to a place where there might be a woman rubbing on your body. All right, It's a standing rule. She can get massages. I can't. Double standard? Yeah, that is, but it's just the way it is, and I've learned to live with it. Because she made a declaration, ain't no woman pampering her man. Come on, ladies. I thought I'd get a few more amens than that. Amen. Even, even another lady offering, offering your husband something cool to drink. And some of you are like, wait, you better watch it now. The Dr. Pepper be the, better be the only thing you're offering. I'm just saying, I know, I know how it works. I've, I've been around the game long enough to know how it works. So on every level, Penina, Penina is rubbing it in. She's rubbing in the stigma of Hannah's barrenness. She's rubbing in the insecurity that Hannah is dealing with. She is rubbing in her emptiness. But what Penina didn't know, what, what Hannah didn't know and what Penina didn't know is that anointing actually means to rub it in. And so the whole time Penina, Penina was rubbing it in, what she didn't know is she was really anointing Hannah. Amen. The whole time she was rubbing it in what she was really doing was anointing Hannah for a miracle that was on its way what you don't know is every time the word of God begins to rub your sin in it's anointing you for a miracle Every time the preacher anoints you about getting on your feet and giving God praise, he's anointing you for a miracle. Every time the devil starts to rub it in and tell you what a loser you are and how you can't overcome, what the devil doesn't know is even the devil himself is anointing you. I wonder if there's anybody in the building that's tired of the devil rubbing it in that you've got a sinful past. Are you tired of the devil rubbing it in of your failure and your fault? I want to let you know what the devil's been doing is anointing you to be an overcomer, to be victorious. Penina, you're not just annoying me, you're anointing me. Because Hannah didn't just sit there and deal with the irritation and let it become a greater stigma. But the Bible says Hannah entered into the house of God and she began to seek the face of God. Devil, you messed up and irritated me into a prayer closet. Devil, you messed up and irritated me into a study of the word of God. Devil, you messed up and irritated me into a place of praise and worship. Now, 
I'm going to pause for just a second and invite the rest of you to join in with those that are getting something today from God. I didn't spend time getting a word from God for you to sit there and stare at me like I've got a unicorn horn growing out my forehead. I'm trying to help some of you right now. That I, Even right now while I'm preaching, I'm irritating you. What I'm trying to do is anoint you. Stop being annoyed and get anointed. That sickness that I've been going through that's been irritating me. Uh, devil, what you don't know is that sickness is not annoying me any longer, but you've anointed me. Uh, and now I'm going to begin to go before the Lord, uh, and I'm going to begin to pray for healing uh, and deliverance in the name of Jesus. If you sit there, if you sit there and remain what you are, and let the devil remind you of your past, remind you of your failure, and you sit there and it never produces change, and you come back week after week after week, and nothing has been produced in your life, then you are absolutely right. All you are is annoyed. Hannah said, you know what, Penina? I've heard your mouth running long enough. I've watched you pampered my man long enough. I've watched you talk about my barrenness long enough. I've watched you rub it in in my insecurities long enough. You've awakened a fire within me. You've awakened a desire within me. And I'm not just going to sit here and be annoyed, but something has got to change. Some of you need to stand on your feet and say, devil, today is the day something has got to change. Stop getting annoyed and start getting anointed. Stop letting that irritation annoy you and start letting it anoint you. My cup runneth over. Because Hannah began Penina's voice. Anybody ever heard somebody just the sound of their voice? Yeah. Don't look around right now, all right? If it's the preacher, you got a long 30 minutes left. Just the sound of the, it's annoying. Man, it drives me up a wall, just the sound of their voice. Penina, I'm tired. I'm tired of you listening to you vex me and perplex me and Rub it in that I'm barren. Today, something changes, and Hannah got into a prayer room, and she began to seek the face of God. God, you better put your hand on me before I get my hands on Penina. I believe Hannah was praying, God, you better get a hold of me before I get a hold of her, because if you don't get a hold of me and I get a hold of her, ain't going to be no Penina any longer. Lord, I can't stay this way. My adversary has pushed me into a corner. My adversary has provoked me into a place. And now I realize something has got to change. Now I realize something has got to change. This pampering floozy is rubbing me the wrong way. And I can't take it any longer. Something has got to change. I wish some of you get some grit in your spirit and say, devil, you pampering floozy. I've taken all I'm going to take out of you. Can't get victory in your worship because every time you come to church, the devil's telling you that other people in the church are talking about you. Why don't you get some grit and say today, Penina, that ends right here and right now. I've heard it preached and I've preached it myself. That God allowed Penina into Hannah's world to provoke her, to irritate her, so that a Samuel could be born. Biologically, scientifically, it's a fact that when a female is born, they're born with every reproductive possibility already in their body. I'll leave it there. You can explain later to your children if they ask. That means Samuel was already in the bosom of Hannah. She just needed a penina to provoke her to produce what was already in her. 
And while that is true, I believe that there is a greater truth to uncover and to understand. I don't think it was just Samuel that God allowed the pampering Penina to provoke from within Hannah. But more importantly, I believe that it's found in the prayer of Hannah in 1 Samuel chapters 10 and 11. The Bible says that after this irritating provoking from this pampering floozy, that Hannah goes into a prayer room and she begins to weep bitterly of soul. And she prays to the Lord and she weeps until she can't cry anymore. And the Bible tells us in verse 11, and I believe, Brother Alberti, this is what it was all about, that finally... Hannah came to a place where she said, God, I'm tired of being irritated. And she vowed a vow. See, I've seen people come to church and dance like Jesus and walk out the door and live like the devil. Because we can play the right music to provoke you to a dance. Some of you, I could play the fast beat and get you up and dance. Some of you, a honky-tonk beat and you two-step and... Boot scooting boogie. I, I, we could provoke you into a dance. But God wants more than just a Samuel out of you. God wants more than just a prophetic word out of you. Penina is not there to produce a child. Penina is there to produce a commitment. Penina is there to produce a vow. I'm glad you can dance, but when are you going to make up your mind that I will live for Jesus in the church and out of the church? I'm going to live for the Lord. She vowed a vow and said, Lord, if you will look on me, if you will look on the affliction, if you, God, you can hear what I can hear. Surely you can hear Penina. Doesn't that voice irritate you too, God? Yeah, that's one about the backhand Penina into yesterday. But God, if you'll look on me, if you'll look on me, if you'll give me a child, God, I will give that child back to you. God was saying, Hannah, that's what Penina was meant to produce. I've got to allow Penina to annoy you. I've got to allow Penina to irritate you. Amen. To rub you the wrong way because without, without that irritation in your life, without that irritation in your world, if I give you Samuel right now, you won't recognize there's a greater purpose for Samuel and you'll keep him for yourself. Y'all listening to me? Don't act like you can't pay attention for 35 minutes. You watch Netflix for an hour and a half. Come on, give me a few more minutes. If I give you a Samuel right now, you're going to use him for selfish gain. It's going to be all about you and your insecurity. You're going to walk around in front of Elkina and say, look what I produced. Look, now I've got value in your sight. And God said, you need more than a baby. You need a vow. You need a commitment. You need to make a promise. Some of you right now, if God gave you the blessing that is locked up inside of you, you would waste it on yourself. God needs more than your talent. He needs you to vow a vow. <sighs> Hannah, there's a greater purpose that I've got for that child. That is locked up inside of you. That baby boy, I'm not giving it to you for it to be the solution for your insecurity. Come on, God doesn't give you talent and ability in the church so you can feel better about yourself. God doesn't give you talent and ability so you can get a better paying job. He's saying, come on, when are you going to vow a vow? The reason you're being irritated is because I'm trying to provoke you to vow a vow and to make a promise. Stop living like the devil and give your life to Jesus. Well, pastor, I don't like that kind of preaching. I don't like that kind of preaching. I want to be able to live, the, and some of you will leave annoyed with me today, but there will be a few of you uh, that will come down to this altar today, uh, and I'm going to irritate you into an anointing. Uh, I'm going to irritate you into vowing a vow. Yeah. 
Baby boy isn't just the answer to your insecurity. He isn't just your ticket to favor. He is the prophet to Israel. This baby boy will anoint kings one day. This baby boy will declare my words to nations. So Hannah, I've got to irritate you. Not till you can give birth to a baby boy. Any Penina can do that. Any pampering floozy can do that. I need to irritate you until you make a vow so that what you produce brings fruit into the kingdom. I want to irritate somebody out of hell today. I want to irritate you out of worldly living today. I want to irritate you into being used of God today. Are you annoyed? Are you? Come on, preacher. Would you hurry up? Pastor, would you just say what you got to say? The kids are getting restless. Pastor, would you just get it over with so we can get on about our business today? We got reservations at the steakhouse. We got plans with the family. Am I irritating you today? Some of you love coming to church and dancing on Sunday and living the same life on Monday. And I know I'm irritating you right now, and I'm meaning to. But I made up my mind today, God, they're either going to leave one of two ways today. They're going to leave here annoyed with me, or they're going to leave anointed. They're either going to leave living the same old lives they've always lived, or they're going to walk down to this altar and vow a vow. They're going to walk down to this altar and make a covenant and a commitment that, God, if you produce a baby, I'll give him back to you. God, if you give me a talent and ability, I'll give it back to you. There are people here today that this man named Jesus has irritated you. His words rub you the wrong way. Who does that preacher think he is preaching against homosexuality? Yeah, I know that's annoying some of you because you've let the world lie to you. Some of you are annoying with this pastor because I haven't bought in to secular society and I still stand in this pulpit and preach that a man should be a man and a woman should be a woman. And I know it's irritating your theology and it's irritating your philosophy, but I pray to God I can preach it harder because you're going to leave one of two ways. You're either going to leave annoyed or you're going to leave anointed. I wish I could preach as strong as I feel. There, there is a, a spirit that entered into this building earlier this morning that I was trying to identify that is opposed to people receiving what I'm preaching to you today because the devil doesn't have any problem with you giving birth to a Samuel. The only thing the devil has a problem with is you deciding before Samuel is ever born that that baby belongs to God, that God, whatever you bless me with, I'm giving it back to you. Something ought to rise up in the soul of the people of God that says, preacher, irritate me. I want a preacher that will step on my toes. I want a preacher that will irritate me because the only way to get an anointing is I've got to be irritated. His words cut. His words are cutting you to the core. His words seem like a spotlight that course through your life, illuminating your insecurities and your emptiness, showcasing your bruises and your brokenness. Why? Why, man named Jesus? Why didn't you just leave me alone? I was content being a beggar. I found me a nice little place to sit down. I was comfortable. Why did you have to mess with me? Why? Because Jesus loves you too much to leave you begging when he knows that there is the potential for you to be blessed. He loves you too much to leave you there. So he's going to irritate you. He's going to irritate the life right into you. (laughs) 
care too much about what you can be to let you be complacent with what you are. Because I know that right now if I unleashed into your life the amazing abilities and giftings that I placed in you while you were still in your mother's womb, you would misuse them for your benefit. Some of you, if God blessed you the way he wants to, you'd never come back to church again because you'd get a second and a third job. You'd use it on entrepreneurial skills and the house of God would be a memory in your past. So God is saying, I can't do it until you vow a vow. Right now, I blessed you the way I want to. You would misuse them to your benefit. You would use them to remedy your insecurities, to fulfill your emptiness, when my purpose for them is so much greater than just you. So I've got to irritate you. I have to irritate you, otherwise you will never become all that I created you to be. Jesus turns to the blind man, no doubt confused by what has just transpired, groveling, with the discomfort of grit that has just been rubbed into his eyes. I don't even know this man. Rubbing dirt, grit into my eyes. And then Jesus says, unfamiliar voice, don't even know him, but Jesus says, go wash in the pool of Siloam. And he could have sat there annoyed. He could have just remained there annoyed by the irritation. Or he could allow the irritation to anoint. I am confused and I'm perplexed. Lord, you have rocked my world. My comfort has been shaken. I don't understand your ways. But whatever I've got to do to get rid of this irritation, something in me is telling me there's more. There's more that God has for me. I don't ever want to get to the place in my walk with God that there's not an irritation in my spirit. I don't ever want to get to the place... Those of you that have mastered the art of coming to church and sitting through a sermon, you may think I'm jealous of you, but I'm absolutely irrevocably not. I never want to get to the place that I can come to church and not be moved by the preaching of the word. I don't ever want to come to the place that I can sit through a worship service and not be moved by the presence of God. So God, whatever I've got to do to get rid of this irritation, there's something in me. I've been living for God all my life, but I feel it today, Brother Roberts. There's more that God has for me. There's more he wants to do through me. So God, whatever you've got to do to get rid of this irritation, do it. Blind. Eyes filled with irritants blind can't see and how cruel Jesus says go find the pool of Siloam and wash stumbling through the streets of the city studies tell us there were probably some somewhere of 500 steps he had to get down between where he was in the pool of Siloam a blind man staggering why because I've got to do whatever I've got to do to get rid of this irritation I know there's more I was complacent sitting where I was but I know there's more waiting for me if I can just get to the pool I'll go wash at the pool. I'll stumble my way to the pool of Siloam because I'll, I refuse to allow this irritation. Raise your hands. Raise your hands with me. I refuse to allow this irritation that was appointed by God to anoint me and transform me to simply annoy me. If this book has been convicting you, if you are engaged in lifestyles that you know are against the Word of God, it's time for you to stop leaving church annoyed, and it's time for you to leave anointed. The Bible says when that blind man reaches the pool, he gets in that 
water and he begins to wash in that pool of Siloam. The Bible tells us that we are cleansed by the washing of his word. I hate the devil. I hate this world. I hate the lies that even good people in this church today have bought into and have told you that there is something out there in this world that can scratch the itch, if you would, the irritation. If I just have another partner, if I just enter into another relationship, then I'll be satisfied. There's only one way to release the irritation. You've got to walk in the water of Salome. And in the end, the blind man dips in the water. And I don't know when it was, but somewhere when he dipped down in the water, he realized, I can't do this without Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I'm tired of being annoyed. I've got to be anointed. I'm tired of just being annoyed. Anybody here today tired of looking into things in the scripture and leaving annoyed? Tired of just being annoyed when the pastor gets up there and preaches about sexual issues? It's funny how we don't have a problem with everybody else talking about sexuality, but the minute the preacher does, we shut down. I'm tired of getting annoyed. When the word of God irritates me. God is trying to produce a vow. There's a Hannah in this building today. You think God is after your baby. God isn't about your baby. God's after your vow. I want us to raise our hands all across this building. I need you, Jesus. Listen, the only way, child of God, if if you're trying to do this on your own, you're going to leave here annoyed week after week after week. But Jesus Christ is in this room today. He told that man to go wash, and somewhere between the pool and getting back to Jesus, the Bible tells us his eyes were opened. You see, that man allowed the irritation to produce an anointing in his life. Somewhere in between the birthing of Samuel and he raised up, God produced a prophet because Hannah allowed the irritation to produce an anointing out of her life. Come on, I know I've asked you to before, but would you one more time raise your hands? I need some, some Hannahs in this room that will open your mouth and vow a vow unto the Lord. I know you can dance. I know you can sing. I know you can clap. I know you can shout. But God's not looking for your baby boy right now. He's asking for your covenant. I wish somebody walked out of this altar right now and bow before the Lord. Have I irritated you today? Has the word of God irritated you today? You can leave here annoyed or you can leave here anointed. If you will walk down to this altar today and say, Jesus, I need you. Oh God, forgive me of my sin. Lord, I am a sinner. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com.